Well, a little boy named Johnny, probably about 10 years of age, along with his sister, went uh, with his parents to his grandfolks' house, and he loved going there. They both did. They enjoyed seeing Grandmom and Grandpa, and it was a little bit of a drive away. And uh, this was a special visit. It was around Thanksgiving time, and they were going to be allowed to spend a few days uh, with Grandpa and Grandma. And so Johnny and Sally uh, shared Thanksgiving uh, with with, grandfo- with their grandfather and grandmother, had a wonderful time, and Mom and Dad left them there for a day or two and headed on back. And this was something that they enjoyed. They loved the property that Grandmom and Grandpa had because it was about 10 acres and there was a, a stream kind of this at the very back of it that, that was beautiful. Grandpa was very good about taking good care of his property. Property. There were some uh, neat, neat little outbuildings there for where boys just, you know, just could have a ball in one of those kind of buildings. And it was uh, lots of trees and the squirrels played a lot there and, and uh, lots of wildlife out there it was out in the, uh, the sticks a bit. And so it was kind of quiet. And boy, Johnny and Sally always looked forward to it. They, they loved being there, but they loved it even more because grandma and grandpa were the kind of grandma and grandpa we all want. Okay, just just one of these sets of, of, of elderly people who love their grandchildren, just do- doted all over them and had a ball with them. They just enjoyed being with their kids. It, they loved their family and they certainly loved Johnny and Sally. Well, as they were there, uh, just before the parents were about to leave, um, uh, after the Thanksgiving meal is completed and, and dishes are being cleaned up, Grandpa couldn't wait anymore because he was this kind of grandpa. And he, he goes to Johnny, and they had given Sally a nice little gift, a doll to play with, and she was delighted. She was having a ball. Well, Grandpa had talked to Mom and Dad, and he pulled out a gift for Johnny. And Johnny unwraps it, and this gift is a slingshot. And and for Johnny, man, this was just like the coolest gift. A ten year old boy with a with a wrist rocket slingshot and and so there had been a conversation. Dad was going to before he left, Dad was going to take Johnny out, he's gonna set him up at the back of the property, put some tin cans, hang them up in a tree, and say, You may shoot these cans, you may shoot nothing else, and this is what you shoot at, you know, you can shoot it into the water, but that's about it. You can hit a tree, but you have to watch out for the ricochet. So he did all of the safety training with Johnny and, and then Johnny was excited he had his pile of rocks and Johnny was out there and he was going to be a marksman, he was going to be David with a sling, you know, he was going to be the man and so he's out there and he's shooting his slingshot, he's out there quite a little ways, he's got some distance he's shooting and he's missing every single time, so he takes his, a few rocks and he takes a few steps forward and he, he's shooting some more and he's missing every single time in fact, no matter how hard he tried it and, and even when he got pretty close, he wasn't very good with a slingshot after that first practice. And he was discouraged. It was frustrating to him. And, and so he decided he was going to come inside. And as he was meandering his way through, his his uh, his grandparents had a few pet. Uh, I mean, not pets, but had a few uh, little animals on this format. And they had she did have a pet duck. And Waddles was out there moving around and, and Johnny just on impulse looked at this duck and, and, and you know how little boys can be. He, he just thought, well, I'm going to see if I can hit this duck. I don't know what, when in his mind the frustration had built up. And so he, he grabbed one of his stones and he let fly and, and to his great dismay, 
He hit the duck and it died right on the spot. It just fell over dead. And panic rose up in the heart of Johnny. This was grandmom's duck. And he was just panicking. What do I do? And like little boys sometimes will do in a setting like that, he decides what he needs to do is cover it up. And so he grabs the duck and he runs to the woodpile and he moves a few pieces of wood. He sticks it in there and he covers it all up. And he turns around and he's, he's just like, he's still in panic mode. And when he turns around, he sees Sally just standing there watching him. Man, his heart goes up in his throat. You know how this goes, right? And how scary, how scary this moment was for him. He didn't know what to do, what to say, but he was, he was to go in. It was getting, uh, evening time. They were about to have a snack together and, and, um, and, you know, when grandma did a snack, it was a snack. There was lots out there. And, and so he, he walks in to the house and he's very, very quiet. Sally had not said a word to him. He's sitting down at the meal or at the little snack, the kind of after Thanksgiving thing where you get all the sandwiches and all that stuff. And, and, and they're, they're eating their meal. And Johnny is quiet. Johnny's quiet. He doesn't know what to say. He's feeling guilty. He doesn't know how to handle all of this. And they're eating and Sally's beaming. Oh, she's having a time of her life. She's eating, having a good old time. Well, we finish it up and it's kind of time to, to kind of, uh, finish, uh, up for the night. And grandma says, Sally, honey, I need your help to do the dishes, to clean up the dishes. And Sally says, Oh, no, Grandma. Johnny has just told me that he would be very, very happy to help you with the dishes. He said that, right, Johnny? And then she leaned over and whispered, Remember the duck. And Johnny... Yes, Grandma, I wanted to help you do the dishes. And so uh, the next day rolls around and you can guess what happened every time a meal would happen. And, and Grandma would say, come on, Sally, let's clean this up. And she would say the same thing. Oh, no, Johnny really wants to do this. And he'd be happy to do this with you and for you. And, and then she would go remember the duck and he would always do it. And finally, the, something awful happened for Johnny because this is this was big. Uh, Grandpa says, who wants to go? fishing with me and it was in the morning there and, and, and after breakfast and after that meal after lunch and it was early afternoon actually and and he says who wants to go fishing with me there was nothing that johnny liked more than fishing with his grandfather and and, and grandmom spoke up and said uh, oh honey i'm sorry i'm going to need some help preparing dinner uh so sally would you stay back and help me and sally did her sally thing she says, but Johnny really would like to help you learn. He wants to learn to cook, Grandma. Isn't that right, Johnny? Remember the duck. And Johnny stayed back. Sally goes happily along. And this goes on, this kind of repeating thing goes on. Johnny ends up doing all of his chores and all of her chores. And this vacation of Grandma and Grandpa's is seeming to be more miserable every day. And he can't stand it any longer. Sally has just done it to him again and he just can't do it anymore. And he turns to his grandmother in tears. He says, Grandma, I have to tell you something that I did. And I'm so very sorry. I killed your duck. It's in the woodpile. You know, and he's just falling apart and he's crying his eyes out. And Grandma looks at him and says, oh, Johnny, honey, I knew I watched you. I saw you kill my duck. And I was just waiting to see how long you were going to let Sally keep you as a slave. <laughs> I think we've been there, haven't we? Haven't we been there? 
I mean, some of us probably have a story almost exactly like this. If you have siblings, they do stuff to you like this. And, and, and maybe you've been there where you've just needed forgiveness. And it, it's just something you, you long for. You needed some forgiveness. One of the key themes of this wonderful book of the Bible is God's willingness to forgive. God's gift of forgiveness. And it's a wonderful thing. It strikes a chord in our hearts. I believe that there are times in virtually every one of our lives when we just have that that need from God to be forgiven. And the good news is the door to God's forgiveness was swung wide open 2,000 years or so ago. This is the third message in our Christmas season series that I have called Love Revealed. And in this, we have seen that the Lord Jesus' purpose, one of the great parts of his reason for coming into the world was to show us what God's love looks like. He revealed it in his the way he lived in his he was the embodiment of it. That is what Jesus did. That was his mission. And you'll recall if you uh, had the opportunity to be with us a couple of weeks ago where I spoke to you about the fact that on the one occasion when God said, I am going to personally appear to my people. And they were camped out in front of the mountain, Mount Zion, in the, in the desert there. And when God said, I'm going to come down, and God had Moses tell the people, I'm coming. They're going to hear my voice, have them consecrate themselves for three days. There's about a million people out there in that desert. And I told you about when God did come. It wasn't God showing off. He wasn't trying to in any way scare or intimidate people. But that when God came, the, the trumpet blast announcing that he was coming, scared the living daylights out of the people. When he touched the mountain, it shook and it smoked. And it was an awesome, terrifying day. And it was so frightening to the people. The one time that God spoke to the people, the one time he did it, they, they were so terrified. And they went to Moses and said, Moses, Tell him to stop talking. You tell us what he says. We don't want to hear that anymore. We're terrified out here. And I explained to you how God is so great that a human being in our sin-cursed body could never stand. If God were to leave his realm in heaven in all his glory and touch down on earth and people were to be in his presence, they would die. Because we serve a great God, people. We serve the God who breathed out stars, who said, let there be, and it it was so. We serve a mighty and awesome God. And folks, we serve a holy God, and we're not holy. And we cannot, in and of ourselves, without the help of the Lord Jesus Christ, we could never stand in the presence of a holy God. We perish. That's how great he is. That's how mighty he is. And that's why it's such a tremendous thing to me that because the Lord loves us so much, he sent his son to this world. I love what we have been kind of putting on this, uh, this, the verse that we have kind of put into this series. And we've been considering this verse throughout the series. First John 4.10, beautiful verse, one verse. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This verse sums it up so well for us. Jesus was sent to this world 
to show us God's love. And you'll remember last week when I shared with you that in order for Jesus to come, for God to come to humanity, he stripped himself of everything that would destroy us in his presence, except his holiness. But his great power and his glory, Jesus stripped it all and he became a baby, a human being. This is a miracle that is so far beyond our real comprehension. I think we'll understand it a little better when we stand before him one day and we see just how great he is. But the miracle of this is such of a, of a great magnitude. And I thank the Lord. While he was here ministering to people, one of the great things that Jesus did on earth every day was forgive people of their sins while he was present. There's a wonderful, powerful reflection. He's remember, Jesus is showing us God. He is showing he is. He revealed the heart of God. Next week, we're going to be reminded of how far Jesus went for our sakes. And we're going to be reminded that he came to the world knowing that this is where he would end up. We're going to think about that today. Today, I want to go to an incident in his life that so clearly illustrates the fact that Jesus came to this world to forgive sins. Praise the Lord. We're looking at Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. For those of you who have been in church very much, this will be a very familiar story out of the life of Jesus, one of his more famous ones. One day, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, Your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take up your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Very shortly after Jesus is born, in fact, eight days after, in obedience to Mosaic law, Joseph Joseph and Mary took their firstborn son, Jesus Christ, the infant, into the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem to have him circumcised and to present him to the Lord. That was their duty. They were carrying it out. They were good Jewish uh, uh, family, and they were doing as they were uh, told to do in the commands of the Lord. And while they're there, there was an elderly man who had been in that temple. And I, I don't know. I'm doing a little bit of conjecture here, okay? So bear with me for a second. But I've sometimes asked myself, other than the obvious reasons, why was this elderly man in the temple almost every day? 
And perhaps he had outlived his family, a lot of his family, or perhaps he hadn't had lots of children or whatever. But it, it, perhaps that, that he was at a place in his life as an older man where, you know, he found his joy being in the temple of God. And it seems to me, as you read the story about this man, Simeon, uh, that he spent a lot of time in the house of the Lord. That's what seems to be the indicator in the scriptural story. And I think about this man. This man had a close relationship with the Lord. He, the Bible describes him as devout. The Bible describes him as a righteous man. And I, I love that. The Holy Spirit had spoken to Simeon. And he had told him, Simeon, before you die, you're going to see the Lord's Messiah. You're going to see the salvation of the world. And I think about this this scene when Mary and Joseph are standing there. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but some way the Holy Spirit said to him when Jesus was in there, that's him. And I just imagine that moment for this old man. And the Bible tells us that he went up to Mary and Joseph. And, and I just see the tenderness and power of this moment. And, and kind of a trust that's a little surprising because the parents handed over their eight. We, I mean, eight-day-old son. And this man takes Jesus into his hands and he looks into the face. And I don't know how long he stared into the face of the Lord that day. But then he lifted up a prayer. And he said, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. My friends, Jesus is the salvation of this world. Amen. He is God's salvation. And a large part of that salvation comes through his willingness to forgive people of sins. I won't, I could not tell you today, could not stand in front of you and testify to you, you today that my, that I'm saved without telling you first that Jesus forgave my sins. And his willingness to do so is why I can tell you I belong to the family of God. Now, fast forward to the passage of Scripture we read here today. And I tell you and remind you that Jesus is now an adult and he is in the three years that he spent ministering. He, he had three years of ministry here on the planet. And large crowds at this point in his ministry gathered to hear Jesus speak. They would pack it out wherever he was. It would there would be thousands even on the mountainsides and people wanted to hear him. There was something about the way he spoke. I love again. And I said this to you before, but I love what the centurion guard that was sent to arrest him said and, and came back without him. By the way, when they were asked why they didn't bring him, they looked at their commander and said, never did anybody speak like this man speaks. And I, I'm sure that to, to be there. When Jesus taught, as I said, and, and I know this is made up in my mind, but uh, you just let me live in my little fantasy world for a second. I'm praying to God that my mansion in heaven has a playback device, a holodeck like they have in um, Star Wars. No, not Star Wars, Star Trek. I, I, I want to walk in and like be present in some of these miraculous things. And I want to hear Jesus speak. I don't know if it really is there, but that's what I imagine. Uh, some big screen something. I want to hear it. But Jesus was in a home and it was packed. <clears throat> and there were four men who knew that he would be there and they were working very hard to gain an audience with Jesus for their friend who was paralyzed, laying on a mat. And again, allow me to have just a little moment of license and conjecture here. 
Could it be that their friend was somebody that they hung out with as young men and they had a lot of fun with? Could it be that maybe they were kind of carrying on and doing some roughhousing or something bad and, and something bad happened to this young man and he was paralyzed? Maybe his neck was broken. And maybe these friends saw a window of opportunity and said, hey, that guy can be healed if we get him to Jesus. I see the persistence and the work here, and I see them doing the outlandish thing of not being able to get in. So what they do is they climb on a roof and they dig through the roof and they lower him down. That's audacious, people. Okay, that's that's persistence. And I will say, you know, I'm not preaching uh, a whole lot about these guys because my focus is on Jesus here. But that's a pretty amazing thing. But they get him to Jesus. They, they lower him through the, 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 the roof. And the men, the man that they lowered left that place carrying his bed and praising God because of a miraculous, powerful miracle from the Lord God. But I want to suggest to you, I want to submit to you, that wasn't the greatest miracle that happened there for that man. Look at verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. See, I would suggest to you that our deepest need is forgiveness of sins, even over physical healing. Even over emotional healing. Even over a lot of things. Let me tell you what Johnny was struggling with so long with his grandma and and with Sally and all. He needed forgiveness. And I would suggest to you that this poor man on a mat needed more. And Jesus saw this needed more than he needed to walk again. He needed the forgiveness of his sins. It was his deepest need. It was his greatest need. And I would suggest to you, I would emphatically tell you that whether we realize it or not, our greatest need is for God to forgive our sins. Because we're lost without him. And we have no hope without that. It was his need to quote the homiletic commentary that I was studying on this passage. Quote, a man's relation to God is the most important thing. If that is wrong, everything is wrong to everyone else present that day. I'm fairly certain that the fact that the man was paralyzed was for everybody else. They're thinking that's his great crisis. That's his great need. And I think most of us in today's world tend to be like that. We'll see somebody, you know, in a lot of pain. We'll see somebody paralyzed. We'll see somebody struggling as this man was seeing. And we would say, oh, their greatest need is this. And maybe we do it to ourselves. Man, my greatest need is money. I need money. My lack of money is. And so I need money or I need this. This is what I really need from God. And the fact that this poor man could not get off of that mat was not his greatest point of crisis. And Jesus saw it as serious as it was by far more serious was the fact that he had sins that were not forgiven and he needed them forgiven. That has eternal implications. Everything else is pretty temporal. Wouldn't you agree? It's this life and no more. And Jesus immediately knew that the greatest need in this man's life was to have his sins forgiven. And so his statement, friend, Your sins are forgiven may have seemed out of place for everybody else there. But in his heart of hearts, this man was set free laying there on that mat and he felt it in his heart. That's what I need. That's what I long for. I'll trade being able to walk for this kind of peace. I'll trade being able to do the things my friends do for this kind of joy in my life. 
Jesus saw that. And I believe in this young man's heart. Listen, if Jesus speaks to you in your heart, and some of you can testify, you remember the moment when Jesus looked at you, and maybe you didn't hear it audibly, but you heard it, you felt it. Friends, your sin is forgiven. Man, do you remember how wonderful that moment is for you? And I tell you what, if you're like I was, man, you walk a little differently. You talk a little differently. You think a lot differently because your sins have been forgiven. What a gift. What a powerful thing. And Jesus' friend, our statement, friend, your sins are forgiven. May have seemed out a place for everybody else, but in his heart, he knew that was it. That was what he needed more than anything. A few minutes ago, I asserted to you that Jesus came for the purpose to reveal God to the world and that he came to forgive sins. And I asked this question, who else in that moment in time could have done What Jesus did. Nobody in history. Nobody had that authority. Nobody had that power. Only Jesus could have done that. Jesus cut right to the heart of the issue. He saw the man was crippled. He looked past. He saw the man was broken in his spirit. And he forgave his sins. Second thing I would suggest to you. Is only God can pronounce sins forgiven. Pharisees were right, and I'll read it here. The Pharisees in verse 21, and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? They were wrong about that. But they asked, they said this, who can forgive sins but God alone? And they're right. They're right about it. Immediately when Jesus pronounced that the man's sins were forgiven, these Pharisees are are getting all excited. You see, they were there. They had come, and the Bible makes a point of saying it. They were sitting there in their seats of critique. They were there to criticize. They were there to watch. They were there to protect what was the religious institution that they had established and were so great a part of and was so great a part of their lives. They were there to make sure Jesus did things right. They were there to critique, occupying these seats of honor. And they begin thinking to themselves, only God has the authority to forgive sins. This man is blaspheming. But they were correct, because only God can pronounce our sins forgiven and remove what they missed. Was God was there. Jesus is God, and he was present with them, and they missed that. If someone does something simple and hurtful, when they hurt me or they hurt you, and that can happen, And if later they were to come to me and ask me, will you forgive me? In that sense, I can forgive sin, but I cannot pronounce their their sins forgiven. That has to happen. Only Jesus can do that for you. Let me say this lovingly, kindly, without trying to be overly critical of any other clergy or any other belief system. Any belief system that tells you the way to get your sins forgiven is to go to a preacher or priest and confess them to a human being. And that that human being has the authority to forgive your sins is telling you something that's not true. The Bible says only God can pronounce your sins are gone. And so you find through Christ your mercy. You find through Christ your sin is forgiven. Now the Pharisees, here's their problem. They fail to recognize and fail to acknowledge that standing right in front of them doing this wonderful act of forgiveness was the Lord of glory. It was God himself in the flesh and they didn't see it. That's why this incident in Jesus' ministry is so important to all who were present on that particular day. 
those who witness it, the Jews, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and them and all of his own followers to them. He made a declaration that day that cannot be missed. He fulfilled what Simeon had uh, had uh, prophesied about him. He what God had revealed to him. Jesus is the salvation of the world. He can pronounce your sins forgiven. And I love that. I'm so grateful. And he did come to this world to forgive people of their sins and to provide a way for us to have our sins cast from us. And you'll you'll have to excuse my emotion today. This is overwhelming to me as far as the east as is from the west. God removes our sins from us. That's enough to even get a Wesleyan blessed. And if you don't get blessed or that doesn't ignite a little fire in your heart, maybe your wood's wet. But man, there's something to be thankful that God doesn't remember my sins against me anymore. I don't want to go into eternity with all of that. I don't want that to be revealed to the world, all of my sins. I don't want you to know. I don't want anybody to know. And praise God, my sins are forgiven. You don't have to know. All I know is that they're gone. And I bless the Lord for that. It's a powerful, wonderful scene that we see this. And in the face of the religious leaders believing he was blaspheming, Jesus speaks a powerful word of healing to substantiate that he is divine and he has the authority to forgive sins. Verse 23. I love this. Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know. That the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them and he took what he had been lying on. And he went home praising God. That's enough to get you happy in Jesus today. Let me tell you something. There's power in the word of God. There's power when Jesus pronounces your sins forgiven. It's the same power that flows out of him that gave life to a broken spine. Let me tell you, in 2015, technology has not even come close to healing a spine and a person who has a broken neck to be able to get up and walk and move again. But when Jesus speaks a word, get up, get off your mat, you are healed. When he said that, that was done. And he did it to substantiate to anybody who had any doubts about who he was with a word. He says, you're healed. And the people went out of there saying, we saw something pretty remarkable today. We've seen remarkable things. And I want to say something to you. In our church, it is a value to us to bring people to Jesus Christ. And we light candles. Now they're in the back. I was pointing over here because a Christmas tree is where our candles usually are. But when somebody in our church during a week of our ministry comes to Christ, we light a candle. We only do that as a little way of celebrating the miracle of Jesus saying to your friend, your sins are forgiven today. Man, there's freedom in that. He sets you free. And as much as this poor man on a mat was a prisoner, couldn't do anything without anybody's help, Jesus set him free that day. He was able to walk again. He was able to work again. He was able to do things that uh, it was all restored. Can you imagine the party that his four friends and him threw when he got out of that place praising God? What a powerful, wonderful moment that was. And what a powerful uh, uh, object lesson for us to understand. God can pronounce your sins forgiven. And I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for what he can do. Only God could have done it. Only God can pronounce our sins forgiven. It's one of the things for which we Christians are most thankful. 
We love that he has the immense mercy, mercy to be such a loving and forgiving God. We love the promises and assurances that God gives us that are in this word that God is poised to forgive us our sins. All Christians love First John 1, 9. I love it too. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to forgive us all of them and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Praise the Lord for that, that he is able to do that. I love that about him. And Romans 8, 1 tells us there is, there now, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, we're put into a place where our sins are no longer remembered against us anymore. What a gift to know that all of our sins, no matter what we've done, can be forgiven, pronounced by God. One other proclamation I'd like to make to you about this, and we'll wrap it up and go home. Our sins are forgiven through faith. Our sins are forgiven through faith. Listen to me for a second. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sin is forgiven. Forgiveness is a subject that impacts us and it's, it's powerful. It has, has a lot of impact. But let me say this to you. You won't have forgiveness for sins if you don't believe that Jesus is God. You have to have faith. You have to know that Jesus is God. He is the son of God. He is exactly who he says he is. If you doubt the words of this book and you say, I'm not sure this is the inerrant word of God. I'm going to just tell you, you can't have your sins forgiven because you're calling God a liar. He has testified about his word. He has told us about his word. And so we have to accept that. We have to be able to have enough faith to say, I trust in him. I believe in his power. I believe in his word. I know it's real. I know it's what God would have us to have. Listen to me. Without the blood of Jesus Christ and what Jesus did when he shed his blood on the cross, if you don't have faith in that, you can't have your sins forgiven. We have to have faith today. OK, and that's what God saw in this, this, these men. He saw that they believed that Jesus had the power to heal their friend. And I love what he did. He saw their faith and he activated the faith. And by the way, I am positive the man on the mat had faith in Jesus, too. And I see Jesus activating a, a, a powerful only God can do act when he said your sins are gone. I remove them from you. I cast them as far as the east is from the west from you. Folks, you have to have faith. We have to believe. We have to activate this forgiveness through faith in our incredible God. Theologian Greg Jones describes forgiveness this way. He says, quote, forgiveness is not so much a spoken word, an action performed or a feeling felt as it is an embodied way of life and an ever deepening friendship with the triune God and with others. Now. I have not touched on this today, and I will in later messages. The word of God is very plain. Jesus made this plain several times. If you cannot forgive others, God cannot forgive you. And that takes faith. Can I get a witness there? It takes a lot of faith to say, okay, God, I believe you're big enough to handle my, my hurts and the pain that's in my heart that was inflicted upon me. And for the sake of loving you, I'll forgive that person. I'll, I'll go here in another sermon at another time, but I, let, suffice it to say this. The way that works isn't about what you feel. 
It is obedience only. It's just a step of faith and say, I'm doing my best and I'll state it. And I'm going to keep stating it until my heart gets there. Okay, I've, have, I've been there and done this. And I know what it feels like to be hurt and not want to forgive. I think every Christian does. And, and I think every person has experienced it. And it's hard. But the way to overcome is to say, I need your forgiveness enough that where I am saying to you, Lord, I, I forgive this person. You, you'll have to do it over and over and over again till your heart is there. But God will get you there. I, I need to throw that out there because that's very important. In Jesus, God took on flesh to embody what forgiveness looks like. And he revealed it to us. And he showed us how we can have Forgiveness for our sins. Do you believe that? Do you know that in your heart? Do you believe that Jesus and Jesus alone has the authority and the power to remove your sins from you? Have you trusted him to do so? Now, listen, one more thing, and then I'm wrapping this up. But let me let me say this to you, Christians. Okay, let me talk to to those of you who are born again believers. There are times when Christians sin. And if you have, you need forgiveness. So I may be preaching to someone here today who's never had a relationship with Christ. And is my my sincere hope that you'll cry out to the Lord and find his grace and his mercy and forgiveness. But I may be talking to some Christians and you've sinned. And instead of treating it glibly and instead of just saying, oh, well, you need forgiveness. You need to confess your sin so that God can forgive you and restore you. And you need to leave what you're doing. We, we heard about this in Sunday school. Such a marvelous lesson by Amy today. But we need, we need to repent sometimes, Christian. So I may be preaching to some believers here today. Will you watch this short little video? And then, Joe, if you'll come up. God is perfect. Why? Because He is God. He is wise, generous, loving, and good. He has no sin in Him, not one bit. We are not perfect. Why? Because our hearts are sick and dirty with sin. We have all sinned against God. This means we are separated from Him, and we are born outside of His family. Sin creates a barrier between us and God. It also affects our relationships with others. Sin makes a mess of everything. Yes, everything. And we can't do anything to fix this mess on our own. But, because He is gracious and loving, God did something incredible. He sent His Son, Jesus, into the world. Jesus lived a perfect life. Yes, totally and completely perfect. What else did Jesus do? In love, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He took the punishment that we deserved, and He made a way for us to know God. Because Jesus died for sin, those who love and trust Him can be forgiven, and they can be brought into God's family. Jesus removed the barrier between us and God. So what does this all mean? It means that all the sin that keeps us from a relationship with God and others was taken care of by Jesus. God forgives fully, freely, and forever. And because Jesus forgave us, we forgive others fully, freely, and forever.
I am not going to take a long time, nor am I going to be one of those preachers this morning to try to manipulate anybody and and, um, get you to do something that you just don't freely want to do. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, if you will, will you sit to bow before the Lord God? And um, I just want to ask it. This is between you and God and not me and you and God. It's between you and God. Do you need to just seek his forgiveness today? You can. If you're sincere, right where you sit, the Lord of glory will forgive you. If you are sincere and in Jesus' name, ready to repent and live according to God's will, and you ask him to forgive you, he will give you that gift. God isn't someone who is far away, distant, hard to get to. God is present this very moment. Jesus took care of that. You have access to him through simple prayer. Today, do you need his forgiveness? I just encourage you to pray from where you are. Cry out in your heart. He hears you. He loves you. Whether you have ever been born again or not, he loves you.